Greetings, greetings, greetings and salutations to one and all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Night Shift. Another brand spanking new week of the Night Shift with DJ Kevin Steele. Community and Finance Night. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, I hope you're all doing well. I want to say big ups to each and everyone locked in right now. Those on the night shift with DJ Kevin Stew. Those locked in on TuneIn Radio on the night shift with DJ Kevin Stew. Those across the pond, one harmony radio, top of the morning to you over there in the UK. Hey, I hope you're too nice. want to say big ups to those on WGLRO, home of the Donna Walker morning show, the People Station, taking it from the sheets to the streets. Touching from Detroit to Denmark and all points in between. Those on one ham- Oh, I did say one ham on the radio. <laughs> UK. <laughs> Big ups. <laughs> Those on ClintonLindsay.com, the foundation radio network. Big ups to you. Remember, you can catch Clinton every day from 12 till 12 midday until 3 p.m. Eastern. ClintonLindsay.com, the Foundation Radio Network. Want to say big ups to those who are locked in on NIE Radio out of New Jersey. Say big ups to those on Ireland worldwide. And take control. Out of New York. And take control. I know you guys over there on Ireland, Ireland worldwide. And uh, your neighbors over there in NIE Radio in New Jersey. I know you guys kind of chilly right now. Stay warm, stay warm, stay warm. Whatever you can do. Stay warm. Just take control, you know? Show what you know. Express and make a show. I want to say big up to those on PEMGTV.com Of course, those right here at the home of the Night Shift to DJ Kevin Stewart We are encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment Welcome, welcome, welcome Kicking it off with J. Dell The track is called Take Control Bum, 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 bum. 
Of course, I want to say big ups to those who are locked in on Facebook Live. Yeah, all you Facebookers. Remember, it's only temporary. Don't get too comfortable over there. Well, let me take care of some formalities before I get into the meat of the matter. I want to say thanks to Paul C Media Group for sponsoring the, seg- the first segment of the broadcast. You know what I mean. Paul C Media Group for innovative streaming and recording solutions when being in a moment is priceless. Give them a call 754-999-6020 for everything you see right here on kevinstew.com and more. Streaming and events, graduation, funeral, a seminar, church service, you name it. All you gotta do is get him a call, 754-999-6020 or check him out at paulcmg.com. Tell him you heard about him on the night shift with DJ Kevin Stew. Want to say thanks to Althea and her healing heavenly hands. Althea is a licensed massage therapist. And it comes to you 20 years of experience operating out of Broad County, North Miami Dade, and South Palm Beach counties. Althea comes to you COVID free and she likes to leave that way. She brings her table, her oils, and of course her healing heavenly hands. Like I said, she comes to you. Just give her a call, 954-655-9000. Or email her at theolator at att.net. One request Althea has. Outside of paying her, when she's done massaging you, get off her table and go sleep somewhere else. Want to say thanks to Reggae Global Entertainment also. Reggae Global Entertainment provides booking services. I will act as your tour management agent. Take care of your business registrations, legal service referrals, music production, marketing and promotion, and so much more. Let's get him a call, 954-998-8034. Or you can check them out online at reggaeglobalentertainment.com. And uh, GMAC Music Solutions that bring your event to life. I want to tell them thanks for their musical therapy segment. They provide sound, light and stage production services, musical equipment, PA systems, audio engineers, DJs, bands, musicians, singers, and more. Give them a call, 754-307-GMAC. That's 754-307-4622. Or you can check them out online at gmapmusicsolutions.com. Like a battery, JDL said, just take charge. Those that are tuning in on Facebook Live, go ahead and share it with your friends. Everybody, everybody, call a friend, tell a friend, call an enemy, friends of your enemies and enemies of your friends. Tell them the night shift to DJ Kevin Stew is on. It's community and finance night. And take control of the bam bam. So give me the challenge, boy. Hey. And we take control of this thing tonight. And um, who better to have in your corner taking control than the police? Yep. 
they, one of the things that they do is pretty much take control of many a situation. And tonight, I want to introduce to you and welcome to the Night Shift family, Lieutenant Mike Santiago. Yeah, the crowd even started applauding before. <laughs> I couldn't really get your name out. They're just glad to have somebody on. <laughs> Lieutenant Mike Santiago joining us tonight, ladies and gentlemen of the Lauder Hill Police Department. LT, welcome, welcome, welcome. How thank are you? Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Now, LT, you're, you're, you're filling in tonight um, for your, our usual Lauder Hill PD representative who, who is off right now. And so being new to the family, you being new to the night shift family, I want you to just quickly introduce yourself and, and, and tell us what you do at the Lauder Hill Police Department. Okay, well, um, I've been with uh, Lauder Hill now for going on 24 years. Um, I currently serve in the position of the Special Operations Command, mm. where uh, I uh, oversee different units, such as the Traffic Homicide Units, um, the... Uh, Community policing unit and the training unit. Okay, that's that's simple I, enough. Yeah, it's 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 simple enough, but complex at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> the, the complexity lies within its simplicity, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but prior to the police department, I served in the United States Marine Corps and uh, born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Oh, nice. Yes. So, so I, I I am I am a what they call what I call a New Yorican. <laughs> <laughs> so you left from up north. Well, Chancey left from up north, and you left from further up north. Yes. To settle in yes. South Florida. Correct. Well, I, I, you know, it it goes without saying. If you were in New York right now, you'd be a popsicle. <laughs> yes, I do agree with you. <laughs> so you know, it, it it it's a good move. It's a good move. I, I I'm not mad at you at all. And also, like Chancey, you were in the military, correct? So you know, I I I, I see a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> a theme of service. Well, definitely that. <laughs> definitely that. So, 24 years in the police force? With Lauder Hill, yes. Wait, so you did military? Yes. Then 24 years with Lauder Hill? Correct. But, LT, um, seriously, let me put your picture back up so that people can see <laughs> it in full. 24 years and you look like this. I don't think they get people in the military at age four. <laughs> well, I appreciate the com compliment, but uh, it's good genetics. Let's put it that way. Boy, I tell you, whatever you're doing, bottle that. I want some. <laughs> uh, kudos to your parents, man. 
yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> they they look young as well. They look young as well. Ex and 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 you talk about them in the present tense. So they're still yes. here. Oh yes. Oh yes. So they do accept people in the military from age four. <laughs> gotcha. I don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. I'm <laughs> actually, I'm actually, I'm actually gonna be fifty this year. Wow. Yes. And 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 with that time comes up a great deal of wisdom. You know, you have some experience that putting on wisdom. You have time that putting on wisdom. So we should be getting a whole bunch out of you tonight. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> Boy. I hope so. So tonight we 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 had agreed that we would talk a little bit about policing government buildings and um a little bit also about human human trafficking. Now, I know the Lauderhill Police Department has been doing a great job policing the community and being police in the community. And uh, kudos to the upper ranks for how you all have been managing the team as, as they go out and, and interact in the community. When it comes to policing government buildings, we, we saw the, the, what would be considered in recent times, the greatest breach of security of a government building um, known in, yeah, like in recent times in American history. Yes. The, the, the police, there was a lot of questions asked of the Capitol Police. And there was also a lot of speculation as, 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 as it related to individuals race and how the police act in regards to that and so i know in 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 Lauder hill the demographic is a little bit darker than what we saw raiding the capital right. but does it really make a difference no and i and i'll tell you why and we can discuss this a little bit when it comes to um policing uh, or protecting government uh, facilities mm -hmm. uh, you have to take a couple of things into into uh, context first is what when that facility was built mm -hmm. what does it look like was it built to sustain or withstand um, any type of uh, force or or crime or anything like that and that's something that we call uh, when we look at buildings it's called septed it's it's uh, crime prevention through environmental design mm. so we look at a building and we see okay is it a soft target when i when i refer to soft and hard it's basically um something that is an easy opportunity for for a crime to happen or something that is made difficult to or challenging for a crime for a crime to occur so if the facility is built to where maybe certain things like lighting surveillance cameras are enhanced landscaping design and even the building itself where is facing and all that in itself is lending to the protection of the building without even policing it okay so the building itself mm -hmm. as long as it's designed a certain way 
can act as its own protection and its own barrier from anything that can happen to it, such as what we saw in, in Washington. Um, gotcha. That's the first step. Secondly, we have mindset. So not only the mindset of the policing, the police officers or the law enforcement side of the house, but the mindset of the individuals who actually work inside these facilities. Mm. What do they look for? Um, are they observant? Are they aware of their surroundings? Do they know or have they heard of anything potentially happening? And do they have a mechanism in place to report it, to look right. into it? Um, so that's another thing, or another layer that lends to the overall protection of the building. Now, if those things, for whatever reason, um, get compromised or something is not viewed the way it should have been viewed within the facility, mm -hmm. Now you have the policing. So the policing is a unique thing because we have to take into consideration, even though it's a government building, civil liberties, we have to balance out protection with uh, self-protection with the protection of civil liberties. We also have to look into how are we going to address any incidents that occur at these facilities. Mm. So the approach that a lot of us take or we take in Lauder Hill is that intelligence led policing Okay. where basically um, it is what we call, it's kind of like a, a business model, so to speak. And intelligence led policing is a business, business model or a, a philosophy, like a managerial philosophy where we take data, which is collected. So it can be collected um, in open source, such as internet, um, or, or even information from the street, human sources, where we have uh, people saying something is going to happen, and we have covert sources. So we take that data and we analyze it. And we analyze that data along with any other information, crime information, patterns. And we take that and we provide it, we provide a framework to give it to the decision makers. And those decision makers, which are the higher ups, will now make a determination as to how they will proceed with this information that they have so right. that we can be effective in protecting the facilities and its occupants. And that's basically the information that we get and how we implement all that. So you have a combination of the building itself. Is it an easy target or is it a hard target? Mm -hmm. You have the mindset of the individuals inside the facility. Right. And then you have intelligence-led policing, which kind of guides the thinkers or the, I call them shot callers <laughs> at the mm. police department. Right. And we have to be able to develop a strategic plan to address anything as it relates to protecting these facilities. And that's basically that three-prong approach that we, we look at when we're dealing with the government facilities. And so is, is is that the approach all across the United States? Is that a, a general policing approach? That, that well, I can tell, I can tell you that it's taught. Um, okay. Whether whether the agencies adopt this particular model, um, I I don't know. I wouldn't know. It's up to them to kind of adopt this. Right, We've right, adopted right. it because we understand the importance of intelligence and how that should lead how we police. Now, once you deal with the intelligence-led policing, once you get all this information, now these shot callers, which are the other uh, 
people in command that make these decisions. They're making these decisions based on a variety of things that are going through at the time. It could be political um, in nature. It could mm -hmm. be community uh, based in nature. It could be, and a lot of people forget this, but the officers themselves, the law enforcement, they're also stakeholders in this entire thing that we call a community. Um, so we have to take all those things into consideration. And depending mm -hmm. upon the times and what we're experiencing is something that is going to lend to how we actually provide that policing. It's not a matter of not providing it. It's a matter of how we're going to provide it. What right, strategies right. are we going to take to actually address any issues? So we try the preventive way first. And if that uh, doesn't work or is offer some challenges, we go into the policing aspect of it. And then to follow up on that and to bring everything uh, around in full circle is we also have to have a commitment to hold people accountable for whatever it is that they did to these government facilities. Mm. So that's that the accountability part is huge. We can't just let things go. Right, right. Um, because that's just setting ourselves up for future incidents. And all of this stuff that I just finished saying with you know, the safety of the building, how it's built, the design to the mindset of the people and the actual intelligence led policing strategy. Um, it's all done in vain if we're not going to hold anybody after the fact accountable. Right, right. Got you. Um, one quick thing before we go any further, I, I, I made an error in in what we're talking in in our title for what we're talking about tonight and and what I announced that we're talking about we're talking about um, policing government buildings and mental health calls so pretty much mental issues um, and so I I, I thank you <laughs> for that reminder <laughs> you know we we talk about several things. As we go through our days, so yeah, that one kind of stuck on my head for a little bit, and it just messed up everything with all my posts today and everything. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, <laughs> those can be fixed. <laughs> so we have with us Lieutenant Mike Santiago from the Lauder Hill Police Department, uh, a wealth of information, quite a resource and, a, and an abundance of, of experience. Now, so taking this into consideration and, and, and how our, our buildings, our government buildings, how many government buildings do we have really that, that you guys have to be policing in Lauder Hill? Well, we have the, the main city hall, mm -hmm. um, and then we have the other facilities, which sometimes are not looked at or perceived as government buildings, but they are. So you have the city hall, you have the police department and its substations. You have the, every fire station within the city. Um, you have the parks locations. You have the, the water treatment plant. All of these locations are city or government owned uh, and ran facilities, which need and require the same attention as the next. So it's it's a, a you know not a small task by any means. Mm -hmm. um, it is a large task to to kind of take on. However, if we follow that same pattern throughout all of these facilities, we tend to have a success rate because again, it, 
City Hall might be the facility that everybody identifies with as the government building because it is. It's it's uh, you know the, the headquarters of the city, um, right? And it's where everybody goes to you know pay their water bill or or conduct city businesses there. But there are other locations that can also affect the city um, in different ways if for whatever reason anything happens to them. So. Um, the city takes it very seriously. Um, the administrators and and everybody that's with the city takes it very seriously, and their protection and and the the people inside, the occupants as well. So let's run through a little scenario here, real quickly. Let's say the people of Lauderhill are unhappy with how things are going in the city, and they decide. They're going to storm City Hall. Um, we saw a similar thing happen in where was that in Wisconsin? Was it where they they stormed a federal building and officers were standing there and people were all up in their faces shouting at them. Some of them came in the building armed. Right. I'm, so, not, I'm not too sure where exactly that was. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember which one it was. But anyway, people. So here's the scenario. People decide they're upset. They're going to protest and they're going to storm the city hall in Lauderhill. How does that play out? Well, I can tell you that the city, the, the, the city hall is uh, is well designed and well built. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an, an, an area where we have surveillance. Um, the design is, is appropriate for that first step. So we start to see that. We start to identify with that design where we can deploy our resources. So we take the, that initial design and we shrink it down. So we make it as secure as possible, giving only one approach. Um, then what we do is, of course, we have to protect everyone's rights to protest and to freedom of speech. So we allow certain things to occur safely as long as no one is at risk of being injured or anything like that. So that's something that's allowed by by the Constitution. Um, so. We're in a position now where they're upset. Well, that's where the intelligence-led policing kicks in. Mm. We have to find out why they're upset. Um, why is it that they have to come to this? What broke down initially that led them to get to this point where they feel it necessary to storm? What's their purpose? What is their goal? So all of this information is collected. Raw data is collected. Information, which is different than raw data, is collected. Um, our uh, neighboring agencies and the, and the county provides intelligence. Uh, we have information from other individuals that may be part of the group. And believe it or not, we'll have people from the, the community itself that may be upset with what's going on, but are willing to talk to us. So mm. we try to get with them communicate with the community leaders to see if there's some sort of resolution prior to getting to this 
moment where people want to storm. So all of this stuff is done. Some of it is done simultaneously. Some of it is done prior to this stuff. The whole point is to try to get ahead of something bad happening. Right. Now, let's say that everything broke down, talks broke down, and everything bad is happening. Well, at that point, we have to fortify whatever it is that um, they're trying to come through. In, in your case, you said Storm City Hall. Right. We try to fortify City Hall. And then there are actions that we take inside with, with uh, employees and all because we have to protect them as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, fortifying it and preventing certain things from happening is is basically our goal at that point. Now there are certain ways, certain tactics and strategies that that are used and implemented that I'm not at liberty to discuss. Gotcha. Um, because it's protected by law, so certain strategies and and tactics that that we use is we can't openly uh, discuss it. Right. Right. But those are things that are trying to prevent anyone from getting injured. You know, right. and at that point, you have obviously the officials, um, the the command staff, along with city officials that would come to some sort of agreement as to how we will proceed from there. Mm-hmm. But w- these these things are constantly in motion. They can go up one second, come down the next second, be balanced the next. It's constantly moving. It's a very fluid situation. Right. However, if we have plans in place, and this is the thing, having plans in place is our best option to ensure everyone's safety, to include the officer's safety. So we have to have plans in place. Um, Once that happens, and then from there, if if the action is fluid, then we have to move with the action itself Mm -hmm. to address anything that may come up. And that's, that's basically how we would address the address the situation like that. Um, again, there's a lot of things that are conducted behind the scenes. Right. Um, but a lot of our stuff is, believe it or not, based on prevention. What is it that we can do to try to come to some sort of resolution or to mitigate the circumstances? And that's basically what we push ahead of time is that. And the way we do that is by trying to reach out to any of the organizers or anybody that's simply upset um, and, and has some sort of, of issue, right. we have open lines of communication in the, in the police department. You can contact every single division within the agency. I'm available all the time. Um, with the city itself, there's different means to address the city uh, via email, telephone, text. We have divide. We have uh, provided so many different ways for people to actually address issues whereas in the past it was very difficult for people to get a hold of someone and i know you probably experienced this in the past you know before technology was the way it is today um it it was very difficult to get a hold of a person uh, Mm. to get a hold of someone to get a response and if you didn't do that or you didn't get a response it would lead to frustration right and that frustration sometimes would lead to action and that's what we're trying to prevent. So if we can prevent it from the beginning and come to some sort of uh, resolution, then we can actually mitigate the overall circumstance. Now, so primary objective, minimize casualties. When you have individuals storming the buildings with weapons, uh, does that change the game any? 
we still have strategies in place. Mm-hmm. And although weapons is uh, something that we obviously have to take into consideration, um, it doesn't change the basic strategies of policing and protection. Um, there are certain uh, things that we have to go by, certain levels of, or use of force that we have to abide by as per the state law. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mentality, we may be, we're already at a heightened state of awareness because of just a mere threat right? Um, to storm a government facility. So we're already at a heightened state of awareness. Introducing a weapon, um, we kind of always assume that because, uh, you know, the Constitution of the United States allows people to lawfully carry firearms. Right. Um, so that's one type of weapon. But weapons can be more than firearms. It could be rocks. It could be signs. It could be, you know, the, the, your basic household tool. It could be mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. It can be considered a weapon. Um, does it change the strategy that we use? No. It may change how we implement certain things. Certain things may be implemented sooner than others. Um, but we're always at a heightened state of awareness when it comes to uh, things like this. Okay, so that leads me now to the question of uh, at what point now does deadly force come into play? But before you address that, um, I want to say sayonara to those who are on Facebook Live. This is where we part company with those on Facebook Live. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Go over to kevinstew.com. Use the link that's in the description. It takes you straight to the website. You don't have to, to, to sign up for anything. You don't have to register. You can be anonymous in the chat room. Post your comments there. Of course, we call the chat room the stew pot. And everybody else calls that chat room. On kevinstew.com, we're very fancy. It's the stew pot. So come on, uh, be interactive. Share your comments. You can call, you can text 773-789-STEW. That's 773-789-7839. Call, text, WhatsApp, uh, Telegram, whichever of those communications method, communication methods you want to use, feel free. But of course, the best way and the, 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 the most ideal way is on kevinstew.com where you're encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment. So come on over, Facebook Live, deuces to you. Take care until we do it again tomorrow. The segment is done. So, LT. Yes. At what point does the use of deadly force come into play when policing at government building? Well, the use of deadly force is not unique to any location per se it's all up to the perception of some sort of imminent danger occurring to either the officer Mm -hmm. or an innocent bystander um these are the things that we have to take into consideration with the levels of of force that that are implemented to address certain issues um it could be different from one person to the next it could be different from one situation to the next. Um, it's all on what a reasonable, and, and this is per law, what a reasonable police officer believes at the time of the incident. Mm. So a lot of times we see things happening and we question why this happened or why that happened. Well, everybody questions everything. And I, and I think it's right. important to question everything. Um, we should never just let things go. However, um, 
there are different times where just videos are shot from different angles. Mm-hmm. And we start to question certain actions taken by uh, law enforcement officers without re- truly understanding the importance of having a full and complete investigation done. We right. tend to jump to conclusions um, based on something that we just happen to get a glimpse on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the use of force is is really what a reasonable police officer believes at the time was going to happen. Something in imminent danger, It was he or she was in imminent danger at the time and believed that somebody else may have been in imminent danger. And they had to use an escalated level of force. Um, a lot of people don't understand that the deadly force, we have situations where we work through things, but we also have that same thing where we try to figure a way to develop uh, certain aspects where we now start to back down. So it's a delicate balance. Um, Obviously life has to be at risk. However, there's never only one way of doing things. And that's what we all have to understand that there's more than one way of accomplishing a goal. Um, But at times, certain situations will kind of put us in in certain areas where we have, we start to lose the amount of options we have to address certain actions as they start to escalate. Right. So again, it's one of those things that is, is unique to the officer or to, to the person right there that's actually implementing uh, the use of force. Um, but it's no different in a government building than it is outside on a, on a public roadway. Um, we're not going to look or view the government building itself um, as something that, you know, we're, we're using force for what purpose? Are we protecting life? Are we protecting uh, classified information? So there's different things that are involved in, in this decision-making process when it comes to that. And this decision-making process, I want to I caution everyone, it's not something that takes an hour or two. A lot right. of times these are split second decisions that are made by this particular law enforcement official based on their experience, their training, their understanding of what's going on. There's so many things that are involved and they have literally fractions of a second to make a life and death situation. So it becomes very, very difficult. And, and, and so this, the, this is why I ask because, all right, so the average individual with a, a firearm in their home has the is 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 has the mindset of protecting uh self family and property and if someone is forcefully trying to get onto their property or into their home someone that they perceive is coming to 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 inflict bodily harm they have a right to defend themselves, correct? Correct. So, a police officer, given the task of protecting a government building, wouldn't that be a similar thing? Well, it goes into the theory and the concept of risk versus benefit. Um, we have to look at it, the totalitarian the totalitari- of the circumstances is what we have to look at. And I apologize for for, for uh, mispronouncing that. I get tongue-tied sometimes. Hey, listen, um, <laughs> we, 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 we're talking about real things, but we're trying to keep it as... as, as uh, 
yeah as as yeah. normal as possible <laughs> as in regular you know because right. I, i'm just a regular guy and the people that are listening are just regular people so we have to keep it well, at street you, level yeah if you look at it look at the total circumstances is basically mm. what i was trying to get so yeah. there's so many things going on and will these offices will have directives before they go out there it's not like if they're you know out there on their own doing whatever it is that they want to do when it comes to situations where like you said the the scenario that you uh, set up mm-hmm. that situation these offices are out there under the direction of command and command trust me when i say have tossed and strategized and done all types of things included you know the political aspect included the community aspect uh, they took the officers into consideration they they have a lot on their mind when they're making these decisions then they send out and they provide direction to these officers before they even go out there so again when it comes to the building itself it all depends on what was done the strategy that was used prior to the officers even being in place so these are the things that that uh, based on the scenario these are the things that we look at um, mm. but these officers uh, have some sort of plan prior to them getting into that position if it's like you said the scenario that you described you know people storming it um again it may be different if you have something just spurring up at the last minute where nobody had any idea that this was going on um and it kind of caught us by surprise and we're responding now right uh that may kind of pose a little bit of challenge to some of the strategies that we have in place but the strategies will still be put in place and they still will be followed. So although I understand the the concept of protecting when you're at home private citizen doing what they have to do, the constitution provides that right for them. It allows them to do that. Um when it comes to certain things as it relates to the government, well, you know, there's a laundry list of things that have to be addressed before we even become implemented or placed in a position where these officers have to take action. So these are some of the things that we have to deal with. But deadly force is a very very unique thing. Um it, one it's unique to the officer but that can be influenced by the by the strategies that were put in place from the commanders mm-hmm. ahead of time. Yeah. Uh what was our goal? What was our mission? What were we trying to accomplish? All of these things come into play. Um so it's a little bit different when it comes to that. I mean, again, it's it's very fluid. I want to I want to caution everybody that it's very fluid. It's a very fluid situation, so it's not something that that we can have a rock solid answer right, right, and right. say this is what we're going to go with because right. it all depends on what's going on at the time. I've heard you on the radio and and you're you're moving you're shaking and baking you know you're doing this you're doing that <laughs> and as things come up you start to notice that you you adjust to right. whatever's coming your way right, well, right that's kind of the same concept with us even though you have a plan even though you have strategies you still have to address certain things that you may have not planned for but you still have to address it based on your knowledge your experience your training and you can overcome that challenge and that's kind of like how we look at the overall thing Okay because you know as 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 a regular guy I am looking at a police officer protecting a government building like me protecting my home and if somebody tries to 
unlawfully or forcefully enter and possibly cause bodily harm. I see you coming at me with some kind of a weapon. I my thought is you intend to do me some harm. So right. and, I'm, and I'm again, stopping the, you before you get on to the me. officer. Right. It all depends on the officer. However, you have to remember what I said earlier. Yeah. That there are different ways of handling things there's right, not right. only one way so you know maybe having people in the crowd maybe communicating with certain individuals that's not to say it's going to stop everything you you will have maybe that one radical person that decides that they're going to really push the limits um and that's the one that you have to address however like i mentioned earlier there's never only one way of doing things and we are tasked with that Herculean thing of that mission of finding other ways of doing things. There's never only one way. So we're constantly doing that. We're constantly growing and developing um, and understanding what's going on around us. So although I understand what you're saying, yes, you know, yeah. you would you would think that the government building and this, but again, it's a building. Yes, we have rules, we have regulations. Um, we we have direction uh, prior to that, and we do have the authority to take action if we perceive a life and death situation as a threat. Um, but we also try to employ different tactics to address it. If those things fail, then we continue to move on the spectrum. I'm I'm gonna ask you a question. I, um, I don't know how often you get asked this question, and it it I didn't really plan to ask you this. And you can navigate this any which way you choose. Are officers trained to shoot to injure or shoot to put down? Officers are trained to stop the threat. So basically, um, we have tools. And right. our tools are not just the, the firearm that we have. We have other tools such as the taser. We have the baton. We have um, the chemical spray. So there's different things. But our biggest tool is our mind uh, okay. and our mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the biggest tool we have. If we can employ that first and everything gets resolved with that, you know what? It's a win-win for everyone. Um, but we go through the processes of analyzing things. And these are split-second decisions that we have to make as to what tool we have to implement at the time that's going to effectively stop the threat um but gotcha. with that comes all these other things you know if the guy has a knife or the guy has a gun or the gal or whatever there's so many things that are involved with that mm -hmm. and that decision making process however when it comes to shooting yeah. how we train is we train to shoot the biggest part of the body so that we can stop the threat mm. gotcha we for those who believe that we can shoot a finger or a leg or an arm, <laughs> it is absolutely unrealistic. Yeah. That, that, that a lot of people get caught up in these movies and TV shows, you know? Yeah, what? So he couldn't shoot him in the arm? He only had a knife. He couldn't shoot him in the arm? That's something. Imagine, imagine this. When we're out on a shooting range and we're practicing and we're qualifying and all... Um, they try to uh, get some sort of our blood pumping, our adrenaline running so that we can see how effective we are. Mm -hmm. um, but it still doesn't come even close to what we actually experience in a real out, world out, situation. In a real world, yeah, exactly, in a right. real world situation. 
So when your adrenaline is pumping beyond imagination, I mean, it, it gets to the point where it's pumping so hard. It's a life and death situation. You're going to always revert back to your training. And that's why we train this way. There is absolutely no way that anyone can shoot. Hey, and, I, and I'm going to qualify that by saying me. <laughs> we cannot shoot a moving target with adrenaline pumping from any distance effectively. Um, right. And this is this is one of those things that's misleading when it comes to the movies. Yes. Um, when you you know you have a guy shooting a fingertip. Oh, I shot the gun out of his hand, and I'm like, holy man, that's 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 something that just doesn't John Wayne happen. movies. <laughs> yeah, that's something that just doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, just you know, a good test for it is try doing some, uh, doing a few push-ups, doing a few sit-ups, doing a few pull-ups, and then try writing your name on a piece of paper. Let's yes. see how that how well and how effective you are at writing something on a piece of paper and it's neat and it's legible. It's very, very difficult to do it. Mm -hmm. So imagine trying to fire a weapon. And right. these are the things that a lot of people don't understand the stresses that these officers are actually under um, when they're, when they have to employ or deploy their weapons. And it's, it's not something that, that we want to do. It's something that the situation now has risen to the level where we have no choice or have we use that as a choice to address whatever threat is coming to us. So that's that's basically in a nutshell what it is. Don't believe the movies. Um, they are not. They are far from being realistic. <laughs> so it just doesn't happen. But basically, the officers are trained to fire upon uh, when it comes to the firearm. The largest part of the body because that is what we want to make sure that nothing else we're just neutralizing the threat and we're not doing any other harm to anyone else right so that's kind of like well, one of the things that that we make sure that we address when it comes to that is unfortunately we don't train to shoot knees and fingers and ears and things like that because it's just not it's not feasible it's yeah. not realistic yeah, and, 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 and people, uh, they really think that what we see on TV, you know, that's, that, that people can do that in real life. <laughs> and yeah, that's, uh, that's, I'm, that's not realistic at all. I'm like, you know, have you ever gone to a range? <laughs> you know, that's, that's yeah. my first question. Have you ever gone yeah. to a range? <laughs> yeah. because... It's tough. Even even just in a control environment like a range, you know it it, it can it can be quite off putting. Yes, yes, you miss. Yeah. You absolutely miss on a range where it's a where it's a, a uh, sterile environment where you don't have any of these stressors. You don't have nobody. You don't have to make a life and death situation. You're just basically focusing on the mechanics of firing a, a weapon. Right. And that's easy. And anybody can hit the bullseye with, with some training. Right. Now try that under duress mm -hmm. and see what happens. Sometimes people can't even speak under duress, let alone shoot. Right. So, <laughs> so, so we can just imagine all the things that we cannot do or we can't do effectively under duress and now place a firearm in your hand and it's, and it's multiplied. Now, so that's, to segue, I'm talking about doing things under duress. When you get a call 
that has the component of an individual going through a psychotic episode, going through a mental crisis. How much different are the strategies that are in place with approaching or, or protecting a building is well, uh, when you're going out to a, a mental health or mental crisis call? Mental crisis calls are extremely unique. And I can tell you in the past, they were handled just like everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, uh, we, you know, it was challenging for us because now we were the social workers of the world. So now we had to deal with uh, mental people that had mental challenges and we're not seeing things in, in certain and the reality that we were seeing things in. Right. Uh, so now we have to, to we took a different stance and, and law enforcement as a whole started identifying with the fact that we needed to do better. And uh, law enforcement now is being trained in crisis intervention where they adopt a practice of being able to address uh, these types of call by trying to de-escalate the situation, mitigate any types of threats that are there, simply by identifying with the person that is going through some sort of trauma. Um, mm. It could be any type of trauma. They could It could be emotional trauma. It could be some sort of distress. And they may be acting somewhat irrational. Um, but we started to find out that when we started training officers and identifying First, you have to identify that the person is actually going through some sort of, of uh, stress, uh, mental challenges or whatever. When the officer finally identifies that, they're able to employ different strategies to address that, whether it be trying to seek help, whether it be the, the officer's approach. Um, sometimes the approach may be, you know, we should go less uh, aggressive, maybe mm -hmm. turn off the lights or just approach, you know, differently. That a lot of times in itself mitigates the circumstances that that'll start to actually lower the tension levels. And we start to realize that once we start breaking or, or peeling back the onion of that particular situation, we start to realize that this person was going through some some personal issues or some other issues. And we're here and now we have the capabilities of providing guidance for help. We, there's now different types of um, services out there that can address these things. Mm -hmm. And the police, unfortunately, are the first ones to get contacted when things go bad. If right. somebody's acting irrational, the first thing people do is call 911. Right. And as much as we want to say, you know, just hire social workers and get rid of the police and all this other stuff, you know, you start to wonder, is it a reality? Because even though we're employing these tactics, sometimes these tactics don't work and we have to now go into other strategies that are social workers that are going to be ill-equipped to handle. Um, so, again, I'm not taking anything away from them. I believe that they have, a, they provide a very valuable service. I think they should be working with the police. Mm -hmm. um, especially for advanced training and, and things like that. Um, however, when it comes to certain situations, uh, especially, you know, I'm talking as far as what I've encountered, um, understanding what crisis intervention is, developing tactics for the officers to address, identify first and then address certain situations that may involve people that have some, 
some sort of challenges mentally or, or maybe going through some sort of uh, uh, stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are all things that we have to identify first. Training these officers to identify them are, are huge. I- I'll give you an example. Um, we're going to be starting up a, an autism awareness program in the police department. And, you know, autism is a unique, um, situation where, um, people sometimes suffer from this particular, uh, medical issue. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us don't understand it. Many of the population, many people in the population don't understand autism. And now all of a sudden, they react to certain things. People that are suffering from this react to certain things. And they con- uh, con- they contact the police and the police get there. Well, if anybody knows anything about autism, autism is something that is, is uh, can be, tr- it's, it's something that can be triggered in the individual. So if the officer, maybe they don't like to be touched, maybe they don't like to be, they don't like loud noises, anything can affect them and they can react Flashing a certain lights. way. Yes. Anything, flashing lights, anything can affect them. So what we do is we train the officers in autism awareness and we have this outreach program now where the community can actually sign up. And this is just one of the tactics, like I was telling you before, prevention is huge for us. This right. is one of the programs that we're developing and it's it's called LPD Cares. Um, and what it does is that it allows the community to log into the city system and provide information if they're, they themselves are suffering from autism or they have a family member that's suffering from autism. And they get placed into this database over here and it, and it informs the officer. They can basically give us a description of the person who, who has autism and then they get an opportunity to provide us with details. They may not like the lights, flashing lights, or they don't like to uh, to be touched, or they don't like loud noises. They can actually describe these things. Now, what ends up happening is that the officers now know dispatch to a household that may be somebody suffering from autism, and we can act and see how mm. we can approach this household. Gotcha. That in itself is huge because... It's giving the officer yet another option on how to address certain things, whereas before, right. the officer wouldn't know how to address it. He simply wouldn't know how to address it and would start addressing it like we've always done everything. And and that's when it becomes, you know, that problem where it's like, uh-oh, here we go again. Um, we, we misidentified something. So these are some of the programs that we have going on, and it goes along the same lines of identifying crisis. Who's going through a crisis, what type of crisis they're going through, and what can we do for them? How do we provide services for them without having to be this, uh, every time the police show up, it's always a negative encounter. Unfortunately, Mm. every time people call the police, it's because they need for us to take care of something that has gone beyond their ability to to handle right so you know every time we do get called into something it's gonna be a negative interaction however what we've tried to do is try to mitigate something negative and maybe not have it become positive but at least not have it arise to the level of such big a high negativity that we start to create a divide and that's what we're trying to to make sure it doesn't happen you see i, I... so Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Sorry. I I know you have organizations like NAMI, 
national alliance on yes. mental illness that 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 team up with law enforcement to provide certain certain courses yes. to to help officers in in various branches of law enforcement and i i have spoken with members of nami on on this matter and it is good to know that Lauder Hill Police Department are are currently in the process of even improving what 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 y'all have been doing already and autism awareness even now when it is not quote unquote autism awareness month to just raise that to to be cognizant of the fact that hey listen these things happen all year round it doesn't happen at a particular time when it is being recognized by society so we need to be able to be on point with some of these things so having officers be 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 trained on these things in a time like this is i think it is, is an excellent move and i hope neighboring police departments as as you interact with them catch on to some of these things if they're not doing it already now there is and i i don't hear people talking about it much anymore but back in january in killeen texas there was a gentleman by the name of patrick warren senior who the family had called the cops because he was having a crisis and the cop came to the house and it apparently this cop wasn't trained in in dealing with something like this and he met the man at the door the man met the officer at the door and family members had briefed him on what was happening and the man told the officer to leave and somehow as the officer backed out and went onto the lawn of the man's house as he was waving his hands no weapon in hand just waving his hand telling the man telling the officer to leave go away just leave the officer shot him that man dead on his front lawn and it it it's a story like that that led me to to ask you about this as the Lauder Hill Police Department deals with it because more often than not we would hear of some story like this happening and nothing comes of it you know we 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 hear of of um people not to to flog a dead horse or to stir up that antsness you know people um getting shot in their vehicles reaching for their wallets and things we, I, I spoke with Chancey at, at 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 length about things to prevent situations like that but if an individual is is, is going through something to for an officer to recognize that their behavior would not fall under the scope of what would be considered normal then and 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 for that officer to be in the mindset or aware enough that 
they have to approach a situation differently. Is that a training that goes across the board with patrolling officers or are officers specialized in that training? Well, there's there's two. There are officers that are specialized in what they call CIT programs, like uh, crisis intervention teams. Right. And and they specialize it, but in it. However, all officers, especially in the Lauderdale Police Department, not only are they encouraged to go through the basic training of CIT, but in a lot of cases, is one of those things that the chief of police requires to mm. ensure that everybody is going through this particular training at the minimum, the basics of CIT. Now you will have officers that we will designate as the duty experts in their fields. Right. And we'll, we'll develop these crisis intervention teams where it goes beyond um, the capabilities of, of those officers that are currently working. It may need some special resources. And these officers that train, the, train in this particular program day in and day out are able to do that. However, that's still within the same confines of the Lauderdale Police Department. Um, but I can tell you that CIT has is is there's a big push that I'm aware of, definitely in Broward County, um, where they push the program, and there's a lot of first line officers that are taking the CIT courses, and and they're starting to realize that crisis intervention is is huge for us we have right. to and like you said earlier we have to be able to first identify what's going on we have to assess the situation um before we start taking any type of of action to ensure that what we're doing is the correct thing and it's not something that is being confused with something else so i i can tell you that the law police department is definitely pushing cit and, and most of our officers have gone through a crisis intervention training nice. um, and it's a continuous thing it's it's a continuous thing it's it's continuous training because mm -hmm. you know what different information comes up everything gets updated so these officers a lot of the duty experts actually go out there and they continue to do this but the officers on the road and and they show a a, a genuine want to understand crisis they want to understand anybody that's going through this stuff so that it affords them the opportunity to provide them with treatment as opposed to taking them to jail. You see, because right. a, a lot of times when somebody's going through crisis, they may be acting out, but it's because of whatever it is that they may be going through. And if we can provide an alternative to jail, then that's what we kind of want to do. Um, and an alternative to using force is maybe talking or providing programs or, or guidance to anybody that's going through this crisis. So if we can do that, then we're winning and we're going to continue to do that. I know in Lauderdale we're going to continue to do that um, because it's, it's important for us because that's what links us to our communities. That's one of the things that links us to our communities. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a collaborative effort between us and the community and the hospitals it's it's one of those things that encompasses all of us and so, it's a positive thing so the as it relates to the autism awareness training has that already started or is it still in development and planning for you so the program itself that we have people that people are going to be able to log in through the city 
that is not operational that should go online within the next couple of months the okay. out, the autism outreach program mm -hmm. as far as the officers training there is already um training being conducted on autism awareness uh everybody will have an opportunity to attend the training over a certain amount of time but um the academy i believe uh provides training um, some sort of autism training and i know there's a lot of nonprofit organizations out there that right. provide training for officers. I, I know of several uh, individuals who are, are taking the lead in this, uh, civilians that are taking the lead in this because they have a vested interest and they want just everyone to understand what autism is. And, and it's important because if we're getting called out to these homes, we have to understand how to handle it. Right. Um, when we first get there, things may be going a little bit you know, out of control and the families may not have the time to explain to us the do's and the don'ts. Um, so this program right. that we're setting up provides us with that information ahead of time. So if we are going to a residence that may have somebody that's living with autism, then guess what? We, we kind of understand it a little bit more where we may be able to prevent a bad situation or mitigate a situation that's already bad and kind of get it a little bit better. So there's different ways. One of our biggest things is understanding that we have options. We shouldn't just go one way. We have to have options in order for us to do our jobs effectively. Mm. So it, I, I guess it's a part of ongoing uh, training yes. that officers are reminded of options. Yes. Options, options, options. <laughs> and, and, you know, you've been in, in the business and your line of work for, for a little bit of time now, and you mm -hmm. understand that there's not always one way of doing things. You got to oh, yeah. understand that with experience, the experience and the, the training that you put yourself through mm -hmm. will always end up giving you or providing you or letting you see that you have options. Right. It takes you away from the zero-sum mentality where it's either this or this. Yes. Those yes. days of us saying, is this, or you're going to do this, or you're going to do this, that's not something that we should be practicing anymore because at what point, because if you, if, okay, they don't listen to you, now what are you going to do? <laughs> right. You've already gave them, a, you put them into a corner already. So that's when the challenges come and all this other stuff. So understanding that you do have options is huge. Um now, whether you're going to take those options and, and run with it is a different story. But right. the first step is understanding that you, we do have options. So let me complicate the situation that much more. <laughs> you're in a government building and someone having a mental crisis inside the building. And it just escalates. Now the person talks about um, blowing up the building. Okay. And well, I saying that they <laughs> have a weapon. All right. So first thing is first. We have to identify with the fact that um, we have to find out first if what they are saying is accurate. Uh, so first we try to find out, okay, if there's claiming that they're blowing up, do they have the means to? Do we see anything? Did they give any indication of maybe it's real or whatever? Or is the, are they just saying that? 
So we first have to do that. Obviously, our strategies come into play if we get a, if we get a call like that. The basic strategies apply, evacuation, contain, you know, all of those things actually happen simultaneously. Right. Um, w- once we determine that, okay, the person is just, let's say, for instance, the person is just saying that he made a threat but doesn't have the means or the opportunity to actually complete his threat. Um, we understand he's going through a crisis, so he, he or she is going through a crisis. Well, that's when we employ that that CIT program and try to address it. Now, let's say it becomes a situation where the person is now, let's say, barricaded. Uh, we can't determine whether they can actually fulfill their threat. Mm. So we do have strategies in place, but guess what ends up happening? The way we do it is differently, but we're still employing the crisis intervention team just in a different format. We might be outside. We might be containing the situation. We might close it down, but we're still talking to the individual. We're still talking. Now, this is a passive threat is what I call it. This is just them saying, I'm going to blow it up. They're not taking any hostages. They're not doing anything. They're just saying they're going to blow it up or whatever the case may be. We're still employing the crisis intervention tactic. That doesn't change. It's just it's being done differently. Instead of the officer being face-to-face, now we may be doing it via the phone. Mm. Um, but the tactic is still being used. Now, we, we can we can say this seven ways to Sunday and, and come up with a bunch of, of what-ifs. Um, but at the end of the day, yes, we're going to address the situation um, accordingly. And if we can implement the crisis intervention program, we're going to implement the crisis intervention program. But if the actions of the person are dictating that we cannot use the crisis intervention, that means we have to use other means right. and we have to use other means. It goes back to the options. We have to see you. what best fits the situation. But at the same time, on the background, we're still employing because it's instilled in the officers. They will always use it as second nature. And that's the beauty of this crisis intervention. Although they're using other tactics to address that that situation, they will still employ that crisis intervention technique because it's instilled in them. Right. That's the unique thing about this particular program. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I like I like the focus on on the options too. Yeah. You know, um, every, every time that that you guys have been on with 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 Chansey, now with you, and even when when I spoke with the chief, there that that the idea of policing in a way that leads away from force the use of force seems to be the, the, the at at the top now what we get in the news yeah that doesn't quite always seem to be that way especially in communities where you have people of a darker hue mm-hmm. but Something that I see coming down the line and the the recurring theme is a people first kind of policing. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's the human side of policing. Yeah. And and pretty much 
in in both scenarios with policing uh, uh, government protecting and policing a government building against a potential threat and dealing with someone going through a mental crisis even if that person is a potential threat you're saying that the training that police officers in Lauderhill have been going through takes you on the human side first and the the the, the violent side the the threat that would lead to bodily harm as that comes up as an option but your primary is make 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 contact have communication communication is key but i can tell you this we will always apply the law fairly and equitably but this time we're applying it with humanity and i think that that's where it it was lost in the past you know and i'm talking about in the distant past for lauder hill where lauder mm. hill has transcended into this agency where we are actually applying the law fairly. It's not that we're not applying the law. We're applying it accordingly. Yeah. But we're applying it through humanity, through applying humanity in everything that we do um, so that, you know, it's, it's done fairly. Um, right. And regardless of whatever option we use, the options are based on how fluid that situation is, but it's always going to be based on that human side. And and this is what we've we've actually transcended into is is that, so it's not that we're not applying the law because we are. It's not that we got rid of all of our tools of the trade or anything like that. In reality, we added another tool, and that's that communication. That's that understanding, identifying certain things that whereas before we never identified, because it wasn't expected of us. You see, so we're adding. We're consistently adding to our toolbox. Yes. And, and and that's a huge thing for us. It's a huge, huge thing when you add to the toolbox. But I want to make sure that, that we understand, though, that the police department will always continue to get better at what they do. But we have to understand that we can't do this alone. Yes. We need the community. And at, at the end of the day, when we look at it, we have to look at us and I'm going to go back to uh, Sir Robert Peel, um, which his nine principles of policing came into play. He mm-hmm. looked at it as the police is the community. The community is us. Mm-hmm. We're interchangeable. We're the same. Right. So without them, we can't do our jobs. So we need them to also accept responsibility for their actions, whatever actions that may be. And we can work together to come to a, a successful resolution as opposed to this constant debate going back and forth or this constant, you know, uh, divide. Right. But the, for us, you know, we look at ourselves, we're part of the community just as the next person is. You know, a lot of us live in the city. Mm. Uh, we take part in the city functions. Right. Like I said, I have been with Lauder Hill for 24 years and there have been times where I couldn't pick my wife out of a lineup even if I tried to. Because I've spent <laughs> so much time in Lauderhill. I've actually spent more time with the city residents of Lauderhill than I have with my own family. And that's how dedicated <laughs> the police officers are. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's 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 somewhat challenging on a personal life, but it's something that that you know that we want to do. You do realize that this is recorded, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. So I'll hear. I'll hear it from her later. <laughs> well, you know, you have time to fix it. You know, crisis intervention, right there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I apply it every day. <laughs> but um, it's 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 a real important thing like you said that the community also gets involved in yes. the process of policing and I, I here you go again the Lauder Hill Police Department has in place well not so much now during COVID times right but you do have um, what's it called Citizens Police Academy yeah, we- we have the Citizens Police Academy because of COVID. We had a we had a delay. It, however, there's other ways that we still stay involved with the community. Um, I go out there every single day, and uh, my community relations officers. So we're constantly in contact with with the, the residents. Um, we go do we do community walks now um, in certain areas where we get together. The police department, uh, some of the uh, commissioners. Um, the city manager, we all get together and we just simply walk the neighborhood and knock on doors and empower the people with information. We provide them with so much information as to what we do as a law enforcement agency, the programs that are out there, what to look for so that they don't become victims. Mm. Um, So we're empowering them with information. And it's probably been what we've done, two of them already, and it's been incredible responses from the community. So we are out there. You know, I, I don't know. I, I might have to connect with you guys on one day when yes. you do your community walk and come walk yes. with you guys to to, it, to have that experience. It's a wonderful experience to see people drive by that you wouldn't ordinarily think would thank you for being in the neighborhood. And they are telling us, man, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you for being out here. Um, so we see it and we do get the feedback from the community and we absolutely love our community. And we're going to continue to work hard to ensure that our community tries to stay as safe as possible. But on the, like I said before, at the end of the day, it's a partnership. And we definitely need the community to be with us, to work with us, to have a hand in their own police department. Yeah, that's that. It makes your job easier. It makes even tough situations that much yes. easier. Because yes. if, if, if there's an an incident that led to deadly force, um, the use of deadly force, then the residents, the, the members of the community have a better understanding of what went down or why it would go down that particular way. Yes. And I'm, I'm not to say that the, the police officers are always, you know, so well trained that something doesn't happen that goes awry. There will always be something along the line that goes alright, whether it's on the citizen end or the policing end. Yeah. But at the, at to to just know that officers are not going out there with the intent to first draw for their guns because that's what we hear about in the news all the time. That's de- yeah. That's definitely not yeah. what what we are in the business of doing. Um, what we're out there for is to ensure the safety of our citizens. And we're going to do that 
um, no matter what. Um, but we're we're a different level police department. Let's put it that way. Different level. We're we're doing things that are very innovative today, um, and a lot of things are focused on understanding uh, humanity and applying humanity to our decisions, and that's huge. Nice. Cool beans. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna let you go reacquaint yourself with your wife. <laughs> I'm in trouble already. <laughs> and um, I, I'm truly appreciate loving the fact that you guys do your best to take the time out to share with the wider community how it is that you're interacting with the Lauder Hill community. You know, I, 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 I tip my hat to you guys. Chief Stanley has been doing an awesome job. She's, she's an awesome person. And, um, the, the, the team, the members of her team that I know personally, all two of you, <laughs> have been quite impressive to me. And Thanks. So I I I really need to go a, a step further, come come visit you guys in the department, um check in on a couple of people in, in, in the community. Uh I know one of your retired officers quite well, Debbie Banner. Um yes. and she everybody loves Debbie. Yeah, everybody loves Debbie. <laughs> you know, it, it it's crazy. Her retirement, I, I I have never gone to a police retirement, but I never thought it would be anything like that. <laughs> so you know, and and to see so many members, just the average Joe in the community, coming in support yeah. of her retirement to celebrate with her, that that spoke volume. Um, volumes I, I can't even equate it to something I, I can't quantify it and to know that even now she she still interacts with the community from time to time and, and, and you guys who are active are like you said taking walks in the community yes something as simple as just taking a walk things that we got away from a long time ago yeah. For whatever reason. Um, but we're getting back to our roots and we're understanding that getting out there and just walking and, and interacting with our residents is, is huge. Yeah, playing basketball with the, with the kids at the court. We, we, we do everything that we can, let's put it that way. And, and the officers have this genuine uh, love for the, for the city. It's, it's just an incredible thing to actually witness. Um, today, we actually went out to several schools in mm -hmm. Lauderhill, and, and um, we were able to, the schools, I selected some of the kids for academic, a high academic achievement and good positive behavior and role models and all. And the chief of police and the deputy chief Belcher, uh, they, they provided certificates to them, acknowledging them. We went over there. We also uh, partnered with a foundation uh, and provided these kids with tablets. Um, so nice. it, it was a wonderful thing to go. And these kids had no idea. So you can imagine the look on their faces when they see all these uniforms around them. And they're like, oh, the first right. thing is for them is negative. 
That's what yeah. we're trying to get away from. Right. Is right, that right. negative mindset. And and when they realized that we were there to literally celebrate them, they couldn't believe it. And and yeah. there it was so sincere the look on their faces and and how they interacted with us afterwards when we were literally there to celebrate their accomplishments. And that was a big thing for them. And, and it was a wonderful thing for us too. It was, we, I was honored but to do that today. And, and it's going to continue. These are the things that we partner up with foundations and we take care of our own. We take care of our citizens. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. I, I have great respect for that type of action. I really do. Yeah. LT. I want to thank you wonderful. again for, for taking the time out. Um, now, I don't even know if it will be you or John so that will be here next month. Whomever it is, I'm not even worried about it anymore. Lada Hill is well represented. <laughs> I have a surprise for you. How's that? I have a surprise guest for you. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm down for it. <laughs> I'm open to it. I'm, I'm ready. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on on your show. Hey, no, no. All I did was facilitate. It was your platform. <laughs> it, my platform, it was your show. That's, that, thank you so much. You just didn't know it. And uh, of course, I waited <laughs> until the end to tell you because yeah. there's no better time than the end. <laughs> it's gonna be in the end of me if i don't get back to my wife <laughs> listen you take care bro <laughs> thank you so uh, much take tell, care. tell her thanks for me please <laughs> I will. I will. Take all care. right take care have a good night thanks ladies and gentlemen lieutenant mike santiago of lotta hill police department lotta hill police department is well represented and you know all good things coming out of there. Chief Stanley, um, Assistant Chief Belcher, you guys have been doing a great job. So keep on doing what you're doing. We moving on into the segment of our broadcast that is our musical therapy. And we we, we get to relax and enjoy it tonight. And, you know... Just chill. It's 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 the let's what's this the love week because come next Sunday it's Valentine's. So when 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 Valentine's fall on the weekend, is it the days leading up to Valentine's that is love week or is the week after that is love week? How how does that work? Hmm. Somebody, 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 anybody tell me. Shots rang out in downtown Kingston afternoon as gunmen engaged the police in a gun battle along sections of the capital city. This track was only identified as is by Hezron, one of his newest newer tracks. It's called Dead Man Corner. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing when family members warn you, but you decide to do your own thing anyway. It's musical therapy on this first night of the night shift week. i 
anything from the avenue. Fly too fast. Oh, yeah. I'm never care, but man, no fear. Only concern to impress him here. from Billy to Kilikini. Oh, here comes the meat at the store. Mama, one, Papa, one, no, we woke up in a well, not in Mancana. Oh, this is the one, but I want to be woke up in a well, not in Darling rhythm. It's called Dead Man Corner. Robinson. To what they say, what you eat don't make me puke anyway. Go live your life. Yeah, that's a tight love track right there. Why they will go live your life. Go live your life. And even when they think it's rigged, let them know it's your life to live. Yeah. People say we go gonna stray. Talking how we lose our way. One day they will know the things they say is far from so. Even if there is a price to pay, and you will have to pay it anyway. Go live your life any old way you choose. Live it through the battles and the bruises. Go live your life. It doesn't matter what they say. What you eat don't make me puke anyway. Go live your life. If their list is black or white, they will know they can't win that fight. Go live your life. And even when they think it's rigged, let them know it's your life to live. If you choose to do a nine to five To live your life you choose a cap to drive Why should I care? Why should they care? Yo, if you wanna go to church on Sunday Right after the dance on Saturday Should anyone care? Only God we fear Go live your life Yo, Any old way you choose Live it through the battles and the bruises no matter what they say, what you eat don't make me puke anyway. Go live your life. If the list is black or white, they will know they can't win that fight. Go live your life. And even when they think it's red, let them know. 
life to live yeah, yeah, man. If I red, you love, enjoy it till you're dead If I green, you prefer, enjoy it No fight If I white, you love, enjoy I, all shades of blacks, enjoy to the max Yeah, yeah, the world is yours It's all there to enjoy yeah. Live your life, it's your life, go live your life Through the battles and the bruise Go live your life It doesn't matter what they say What you eat don't make me puke anyway Go live your life If their list is black or white They will know they can't win that fight Go live your life And even when they think it's red Let them know it's your life to live Go live hey. your life Jonah Marie, and I know that you're ready. Producer of the Hush Darling Rhythm. Now that we are moving in the groove, I need you, Kevin. Pull up that song, hey. Yeah, money, bad for real. I want you close to me. I want to be close to you too, Jonah. Like the way you feel. You feel nice too. Hush. Okay. Gonna lay it on. And our passive aggressive self. to the top of the hour hey, yeah. 20 minutes before I get on out of here I want to say thanks to the affiliates yeah. Island Worldwide out of New York NIE Radio New Jersey WGLR out of Texas One Harmony Radio out of the UK Foundation Radio Network, ClintonLindsay.com out of South Florida. Let us lay it on now. EMG TV. Thank you, thank you, thank you all. I'm missing hush, darling. Hush, even if it hurts to cry. Hush, darling. Hush, cause I'm not gonna tell you. Jonah Marie. Hey, cuz, how you doing? Jonah Marie working out with Peter G. Their rendition of Close to You.
becomes the fun part of this song. You, you ready? You hear it? Yeah, man, if I said an answer. This is where you know they're speaking the same language. I'm saying this, Dada. They're speaking each other's love language at this point, yeah? Up of the hour. It's called the bedroom mood rhythm. This is Ed Robinson. It's called All My Life. Compliments to you and the way you love me. Girl, all you gotta do is dim the 
trick or two, mm, baby. Cause I can do, I can do magic. I ain't no psychic, but I know just what you need, girl. You don't have to write it. Just looking at your body, I can't breathe. Yeah. Ooh. You're giving me the eye, and it's making me want you Magician right. on a bedroom mood with him. This is something it's called you magic. You should know. Magic. Snap I hope Lieutenant Mike Santiago has some magic tricks up his sleeve. I know he got this. I clean them. I can do that. SDS Sensational Dynamic Sound. Suzanne Sultry, Shauna Dazzle, and Dotty. The rendition of a woman in love.
Shamika. The sweet thoughts rhythm. What sweet thoughts we have closing out the night shift for tonight, community and finance night. Track is called Priority. This one for Mrs. Santiago. Just know. Your mic's priority right now. Your love is like food to my soul. There's no way that I can let go. Thank you, Lieutenant Mike Santiago. Once again, for representing Lauda Hill PD. Six minutes to go. Make that five. Hey man, you're my sweetheart, do you know? Midnight Love. Midnight Love tonight. This one of Kadia. I need some 
sharing I'm back tomorrow healthy love night I'm about to get some midnight love myself remember to look out for members of your community the community is not just development that you live in but it spreads far and wide whether you walk right or drive people that you pass on the way on the bus the plane the boat on the train members of your community do something good for one of them today because you never know who's gonna do something good for you tomorrow Boy, time. Give me speaking of tomorrow all being well i'll be back here same time 10 p.m eastern same place kevinstew.com with affiliates My name is Kadia Brooks. Former beauty model. Always a beauty. Getting in some midnight love. I'm representing. For DJ Kevin's too, working on the night shift, the night shift radio show. Won't go changing like the weather, just to please the devil never. Will DJ Kevin's too sell his soul? That's a word and honor. It's Christine to represent him, word and honor. Celestia DJ Kevin's too. Good morning, good afternoon, good day to you wherever you are in the world from right here in South Florida. I bid you a good night. Greetings and salutations one and all. You're invited to tune in to the Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew. It airs on Mondays with Community and Finance, Tuesdays with Healthy Love, and Wednesdays with Real Talk from 10pm to midnight Eastern Time. Come spend some time interacting in the stew pot where we keep things bubbling and wind down in musical therapy. The Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew is on kevinstew.com where you're encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment.